Hey all, welcome to Vampire Weekday, the new podcast where we talk about all Vampire Weekend songs and overanalyze the hell out of them um, to extents that you probably didn't think were possible. Um, so when starting this podcast, me and uh, my co-host Kevin Moss, um, we, we were talking for, for a long time about um, just the complexities in Vampire Weekend songs and, um, and how much substance is there. And we realized that you could talk about each of these songs for, for, um, for a very long time and realize it's perfect for a podcast. And what are two 22 year olds to do except start a podcast? So we decided to start a podcast. Um, so with that being said, uh, I'm Nico Roblin. Um, I, me, me and Kevin uh, both met, we were undergrads at Notre Dame. So we know each other through there. Uh, I majored in chemistry and theology. You'll see a lot of uh, theology analysis uh, of lyrics from me. Um, and I'm currently a chemistry graduate student. Um, and my, um, my fandom for Vampire Weekend um, has been since about fifth grade uh, for a long time. Uh, I've been following them since the first album um, and they've been my favorite band since. Uh, so here's my co-host, Kevin. Nico, thank you. Um, and again, I think Nico is kind of the brains behind the operation here because he actually, first of all, he's a smart person. He's in, he's in graduate school. And also he's the legitimate Vampire Weekend fan here. Um, I, I wouldn't call myself an illegitimate Vampire Weekend fan, but relatively new. Um, kind of became a fan as those first few singles from Father the Bride were coming out. Um, had a couple of friends that turned me on. And there was one day, it was like an April weekday, and it was really nice out. And all of a sudden, I listened to Father the Bride, or at least the singles off it. And it was just kind of one of those moments. And everybody has those. We're like, holy shoot, there's something we got going here. Um, fantastic music. And I think what gets it for me is you, you have this artsy sounding music, very esoteric at times, just kind of this weird thing. It's accessible, but it's weird. And then you hear about the lives of these guys, you listen to Ezra Canning on his podcast, and you're like, oh, this is just some dude. So I always think it's kind of rewarding when you have something that sounds very artsy or is presented in a very fanciful format, and you're like, oh, this is just like normal people. This is somebody pretending to be something they're not. So that's very fun for me. Uh, me. Um, I do love talking about music in general. So Nico offered to do this with me and offered, I offered me the, the position of co-host. I, I could not say no. I'm happy to be here. I like Nico said, met at Notre Dame. Um, I was a civil engineering major, currently work as a civil engineer. Um, and yeah, we're doing this now. Very exciting. Yeah, and going off of what Kevin said, um, an important part of the Vampire Weekend lore is definitely time crisis. Um, I've listened to the past about 50 or 60 episodes of it uh, to give reference. And Kevin was just introduced uh, a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, when you introduced me, I watched probably four or five on my own, and then I've watched the past few weeks. So tomorrow's – we get a new episode tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. Sometime? Yeah. yeah, okay. Sweet. 
We're uh, recording this on Saturday. Sorry for because you know <laughs> podcast and timing is weird. Um, <laughs> so we got that going. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan, um, and it's cool. Again, another thing that kind of did that for me is I'm I'm much more of a classic rock junkie, and to hear Ezra talk about this wide breadth of music, it is always refreshing for me to see. And really, it's the case for a lot of modern artists who have a great knowledge of music history through the 60s, 70s, 80s, up until present day. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and one quote that when, when researching for this podcast that came up that we definitely want to bring up uh, that really is going to influence how we look at these songs, um, we found in an interview with Ezra Koenig um, saying quote, even with people who liked Vampire Weekend, I think they've sometimes given us too much credit in the past. They explained that we tell stories about New York or college life. I think that we don't tell stories. We do collages. And a collage is not a story. They're both art forms. But when you're, you've done enough collaging, maybe you want to take a drawing class. Think about early Vampire Weekend with a song like Oxford Comma that starts with the lyrics, who gives a fuck about an Oxford Comma? It's a silly thing. It's a bit of grammar, but it feels evocative. Why would you lie about something dumb like that? And then you talk about the Dalai Lama in English dramas. It's a series of images. It's very meaningful to me, and it always hurts my feelings when people would say that Vampire's Weekend's lyrics were nonsense. They're not nonsense. They're impressionistic. I felt that the blossoming of the collage idea was step on the last album, Modern Vampires of the City, the chorus is just a series of little phrases. The gloves are off. The wisdom teeth are out. That's a collage. Two little cl cliched phrases stuck together that create a feeling, maybe about aging, maybe about a relationship to music, but it's a feeling that is better than its units. After that, I didn't want to do worse versions of collages. I'll always be the type of person that starts with phrases, but I wanted somewhere new to go to. And so in that, he's talking about uh, this was an interview before Father of the Bride came out and he's talking about the upcoming album and how he transitioned as a songwriter to writing more about stories. Um, but what that tells us is definitely um, the first three albums are very col collage heavy, as he said, very impressionistic art style. Uh, like Kevin said, it, it's a unique art style uh, where you get this unique uh, aesthetic um, feeling even though, um, even though the story isn't necessarily there. Um, and for today's episode, we're going to be analyzing Unbelievers. And we were talking before this about how we think Unbelievers is part of that bridge from a collage to a story uh, that he takes as a songwriter. Um, but it's still very, very heavy on the collage essence. Uh, and so with that being said, I think it's time for us to dive into the song. Um, Let's listen to this thing. Hey everyone, due to copyright law, we can't play the song directly on the podcast, but we highly encourage all our listeners to go um, pull up Unbelievers on any streaming service and give it a listen and come right back and listen to us analyze. Thanks. What a song. That's... I think one of the coolest things about this is that that's a three and a half minute song. And it's not like a big song, but it does hit and it kind of leaves. Um, it knows its place. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It definitely knows its place. Um, so I guess looking at it big picture, uh, musically, we were kind of talking about this before the show. One thing that strikes me is when, kind of with the intro with those fill spots, there's a lot instrumental that's going on here. Um, there's obviously your typical band members. You've got a horn section going. Um, in the solo, when that flute thing comes on, you kind of got like a Lord of the Rings Shire theme going on there. Um, that's really cool. Um, but really, like I said, it's not like a particularly big or loud sound with the exception of maybe the solo. It's just all these little bits that are kind of flowing underneath each other. and It creates this very pleasant yet upbeat tone to it. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And uh, I think now is a good time for uh, us to bring up a song that I, I strongly believe inspired it, uh, Buddy Holly's uh, Peggy Sue. So if you, you want to play, play the intro? Yeah, play the yeah, intro me, for a second. Let me pull that up. So obviously yeah. that I mean, intro, it's, it's right there. It's yeah, it's definitely, it's gotta be inspired by it. And, and I don't think it's a stretch to say that because there are multiple times in time crisis where Ezra talks about how music, all of it is borrowing from each other and learning from each other and expanding on others ideas. Um, he's, he's a big fan of uh, a fair use of other people's work. Um, because he he fully accepts that all music is built on each other um and so i i think he would be the first to admit that it's inspired by it if that's true uh, maybe it's a coincidence but i i don't think so yeah i i mean as soon as you sent me that link i was like that that makes perfect sense and the progression is similar and it's got kind of that lilting feel to it um so it makes sense you would have got it from there or if if that is in fact the case. So, so good catch mm-hmm. on your part. Um, yeah. And so, so I think now's a good time to dive into the chorus a little bit. Um, so with the chorus, um, we know the fire awaits unbelievers, all of the sinners, the same girl, you and I will die unbelievers bound to the tracks of the train. Um, I, I think you said something great earlier about the surface level uh, meaning it, if you want to expand a little. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's religious imagery throughout this song. And I think the, the easy or the low hanging fruit interpretation of the course that always oh, talking about hell, um, which very well could be the case to me, it's almost like that's too easy of an answer, but that very well could be. Um, the other thing that's, that's kind of catching me now that we're looking at this together is that, and it, it kind of goes back to the collage theme. It's almost like there's, there's something preventing it from tying it all together. The bound to the tracks of the train lyric is something that I, I frankly don't know what it's there for. And it's almost like every little stanza in this song has a little something that's either kind of throwing it off or just appears to be unrelated to the, to the rest of the song, which is interesting. I yeah. Think. Cause I, at, at first blush here, I really don't see how that fits in 
to the rest of the field. So I, I actually am the opposite where I have to work to make all of the centers the same um, and work with bounded tracks of the train. Um, because when I first heard this, um, I interpreted it as bound to the tracks of the train as society is against non-believers and they want you to pick it, like uh, convert um, or, or pick a camp. I, it's really unclear whether there's like a specific religion calling them or just the fact that he's agnostic. Because um, I feel like a lot of modern vampires of the city deals with Ezra's agnosticism. Uh, you look at a track like Yahe, where he has the line, um, I could never love you in spite of everything. So he's aware of all of this that's going on, all of the, the signs of God that's being pointed to him, that culture is pointing him to. Um, and for context, Ezra was raised Jewish, um, and he's... He still identifies as Jewish, but um, he has a lot of agnostic uh, lyrics throughout his discography. Um, and so I, I, I found it easy to have bound to the tracks of a train as society is saying, oh, well, you don't believe in anything. So like you're, uh, you, you might as well just be one of the worst sinners um, as an unbeliever. Um, so that's what I got from the chorus. Yeah, that's that, that that's interesting. I because I'm trying to tie that into, and we'll get to this, but pretty much every verse, not the bridge, but the verses, talks about the who's going to save a little warmth for me, who's going to save a little grace for me, mm-hmm. who's going to save a little light for me. And I don't know if I want to call that begging, but it's like, is there a bit of a juxtaposition between I'm looking for something in the verses as opposed to I am content without in -hmm. the chorus. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Um, I definitely think he, he's struggling with his agnosticism. I don't think it's like a clear cut picture um, either way. Mm -hmm. Um, And also I think the, the, um, the fire line, the fire awaits unbelievers. I think that's totally a double meaning. I think that, you're totally right on hellfire, but also uh, burning by stake, <laughs> which happened in oh, the yeah. ages um, by okay. society for unbelievers. Um, so I think it. Oh my gosh. Meaning. Yeah, that's. Yeah. But I think, it, like we said before, it's, it's 100% a collage. So it's okay that these lyrics don't 100% line up with each other. But in order to make sense of the verses, um, you do have to have it be more a religious lining with the hellfire, I think. Because uh, like you said, he's struggling with, he wants a little little warmth, a little grace, a little light, a little dro- drop of water. Um, and there's definitely a religious connotation to even just the little part. Um, I mean, there's so many prayers where you, you are seeking a little bit, a little, it, it's almost an act of mm-hmm. humility to ask, ask for that little 
little bit of grace, that little yeah, bit of water. Okay. Um, and I think there's definitely an intention that each of these verses, each of the things he's, like you said, not necessarily begging for, but seeking, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. All of these have religious symbolism in them and like very clear cut religious symbolism. Um, a little warmth, a little grace, a little wa- uh, drip of water, um, a little light. I mean, light and water are so such big symbols within the Old and New Testaments um, with baptism um, and the there's one Jewish festival where water pours from the temple. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but, um, Mm -hmm. and then the light converting St. Paul, um, and then warmth, um, fire has a big connotation within the old Testament. Um, Yahweh speaks through fire, uh, or, or appears as a burning bush, um, displaying warmth. Um, and so I, I think that's, there's definitely um, a reason that all of these, these things he is seeking have religious connotations and it's further strengthened by a deleted lyric that was in an earlier version of this track. And so I found a video of them performing, uh, Vampire Weekend performing the song for the first time on, um, Jimmy Kimmel. And that's right. They debuted on Jimmy Kimmel. Exactly. And, yeah. and at the time it had a different verse. It said, see the snow come down. It's coming on down from the highest peak. Want a little heat, but who's going to save a little heat for me? And what stuck out to me is not anything about that line specifically, but that it's missing that clear religious imagery. Um, and You're they, right. They it's more it with something yeah. clearer. Wow. Okay, that's fantastic. So then, yeah, with with that context, that makes a lot more sense for the entire religious mantra. Because I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, when we started our conversation, I knew that there was some religious connotation here, but it's really coming together. And the only thing that's still giving me a little pause as we work through this is the first two lines of the bridge, the Mm -hmm. I'm not excited, but should I be, is this the fate that half of the world has planned for me? Yeah. So I guess it kind of goes into your whole societal thing. It's like, am I, am I being drugged into something that other people want me to do? Um, Should I, should should I be excited about it? I mean, and that's, I guess that's kind of where that could get to. That's what I took from it. I'm with you on that being one of the hardest lines to analyze. Um, I'm not excited, but should I be, I think lends heavily to the agnosticism and because if it was just straight up atheism, I think it would just be, I'm not excited. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Or I'm excited to be rid of this. Like there's mm -hmm. the the song is filled with doubt. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's furthering that doubt that we're talking about, whether it's like, should I be seeking this? Should I not? Um, I'm not excited, but should I be? Um, 
But the next line is the one that throws me off too. Is this the fate that half of the world has planned for me? I saw one um, interpretation of that line that was, I, I don't agree with whatsoever, but I thought it was just like so outlandish and funny um, in that the song is actually just about him pursuing a romantic partner and he thinks girls, half <laughs> of the world, girls are colluding with each other to to have him be alone. <laughs> so so that's that's one interpretation. Oh my but that's, I, I I it's 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 a stretch and also I don't see how it plays off of either the previous line or the following line. Yeah. I mean if you're going for the collage, sure. <laughs> um, but I I don't I don't think that's the right interpretation. I could be wrong. Maybe Ezra just went full meta and decided I need to keep the collage so these <laughs> kids when they try and listen to my lyrics, I can't I, I can't give them too much to go on. I, I gotta throw a little little wrench in there. Yeah. Um, I I would say it's probably the fact that about half of the world are Christians, um, and it's saying that's a good point. Yeah, thing is, or, or half of the Christians, yeah, some sort of Abrahamic religion, for me yeah, to convert, essentially. Because um, even though he's Jewish, a lot of his the lyrics throughout uh, the albums uh, deal with Christianity pretty heavily, um, mm-hmm. and so um, I think that's mostly just because he's. Christianity the it you you can definitely find references to any of that within all of pop culture um, even if it's secular Um, so I don't I don't think that means anything more than he thinks it's cool to be able to reference to all these unique things Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, he was a classics major, I think, at Columbia. So um, he's very familiar yeah. with like all of these, all of these uh, great works. Um, and so, and, and so, all of these great works that reference um, scripture. And so, I'm sure he's familiar with uh, the New Testament to some extent. And then, like we said, he was raised Jewish. Of course, he's familiar with um, the Old Testament. So, um, so yeah, I, I, that line is a little hard to interpret, but, (laughs) but I, I think that's the best. I, you, you got anything else on it? (laughs) We've done, we've taken a really good stab at everything else. So if we get stuck on this, I am, I'm okay with that. I can be comfortable with that. Now the line after that is one that I think is really interesting. Um, and this is part of the reason that the girl theory is a thing because it says, I know I love you. Um, so it thinks it's a, it's a relationship, but I think there's a lot of other ways to interpret that. Um, mm-hmm. But then it says, and you love the sea, but what holy water contains a little drop, little drop for me. We already talked about water being, having a deep imagery within um, both the old and new Testament. But, um, and you love the sea. I was really thrown off for a while. Um, and 
there's one theory that it's an allusion to a uh, Wes Anderson film line uh, where where girls in love with the sea. Um, but Wait, which which West film? I do not remember oh, right now. Okay. But um, the theory that I think's a stretch, but it's um, it's definitely interesting to bring up is you love the sea isn't S E A, it's S E E, as in the Holy Catholic Sea. <laughs> <laughs> And so then it says, and what that is what holy water contains a little drop little drop for me i'm just I'm just imagining some some keyboard warrior behind his behind his desk thinking, "Come on, guys, no, think about it it's s c e this <laughs> so i that is that that is too too much of a reference I think it's too. I'm glad somebody thought of it because it gave it, it gave us both a good laugh. But I think it's where did yeah. you see that? Um, I think it was on Genius. Oh, okay. Um, think... But yeah, no, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think it's that. I think it's definitely more of the collage thing. Uh, you love mm-hmm. the sea sounds very poetic. And then the sea giving him a little water. Um, and so it creates that aesthetic, uh, like we said. But uh, definitely an interesting thought. <laughs> I'll take it. That's, I think we went through the whole song, right? Yeah, I think we okay. got it all down. Yeah, I mean, overall, a fantastic track. I think after looking at this like more or less line by line, it's going to be hard to listen to it the same way as I had previously. Yeah, no, I think we, we dug pretty deep into the song. Like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, um, we're probably going to overanalyze some songs way too far. Um, like the Holy Sea lyric, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we fully admit that most of our interpretations are probably wrong, but that's the fun of it. Um, it wouldn't be fun if it was clear cut. So, um, yeah, um, great song. Uh, one of my favorites, actually, um, which brings us to um, something that would be a recurring, um, recurring thing in the podcast uh, once we have enough songs to do this but we're going to do a top 10 of songs we've uh, reviewed. Uh, so, so once we have multiple songs, we'll start ranking them. Uh, and that will be a mix of our favorites based on the music and the lyric, lyrical depth, all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But for now, all we have is unbelievers. So can't do that. And the final part of our podcast uh, weekly, we decided that instead of going straight through albums, um, we, we wanted to do something more fun on how to decide which song we analyze each week. And so we are going to pick a song out of a hat. And so I have a hat with me. And the hat... go, go ahead. I was just gonna say, please, please explain which, which hat you're using this week. Yeah, so, um, 
So I, I'll be using a different hat each week, even though it's an audio <laughs> podcast. I figured it would be fun, so I'll describe it. Um, so this week we have a Franklin's barbecue from hat from Austin, Texas. Uh, best beef rib um, in the world. Uh, great brisket. Oh my gosh, so good! If you ever get the chance, go. Um, so here we go. Let me let me draw one from here. Oh, and in the in the songs we have we have every song from vampire weekend's discography including b-sides and japanese edition only tracks because there's a there's a handful of those but we also i decided to include a couple songs that were written by ezra that aren't necessarily by vampire weekend um that i could find so those are in there just for reference i i meant to ask you this um this isn't a vampire weekend song but did you include the i'm going down cover because every day i am thankful that exists as a song. i haven't i haven't included covers but um, okay no i'm just curious can add that's those fine later. <laughs> no that could be like a bonus episode or something if we get mm-hmm. that far mm-hmm. okay let's see campus Okay, that's pretty good. I mean, yeah. they're all going to be good, but like that's like we're 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 sticking with an energetic theme, so I mm-hmm. like that. Okay, sounds good. So tune in next week uh, to hear us overanalyze a uh, campus off of Vampire Weekend's first album, Vampire Weekend. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next. Thanks week. for listening, folks.